This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, as promised on last week's show, we're going to have a talk with Simon LaVey about his new book, When Science Goes Wrong, 12 Tales from the Dark Side of Discovery. And in our third segment today, we're going to uh, give you the audio we recorded in Merced a couple weeks back on our trip uh, down there as a field trip to see how Things are progressing as UC Merced establishes itself, particularly in the area of radio. The good people down at UCM are intending to start broadcasting uh, soon. So uh, we we went down and talked about that uh, most worthy endeavor. But uh, first, let's begin this program as we like to do with On This Date in History, which in our case today is May 22nd. It was on May 22nd in 1455 in the English Wars of the Roses that the Duke of York's forces clashed with King Henry VI. In this, the king was defeated by his cousin Richard of York in what was the opening engagement of the Thirty Years' War of the Roses, so named because roses of different colors were the badges of the opposing forces. It was on May 22nd in 1819 that the Savannah, sailing from its namesake home port in Georgia, departs on the first transatlantic crossing by a steam-powered vessel. It arrived in Liverpool on June 20th. On this date in 1849, future U.S. President Abraham Lincoln received a patent for a floating dry dock. And I believe that Abraham Lincoln is in fact the only American president to actually have obtained a patent. Although if patents were available for incompetence, Well, I I won't go there. May 22nd in 1900, the Associated Press was incorporated in New York, a nonprofit news cooperative. It is still in business today, although I'm not sure about the nonprofit part. It was on May 22nd in 1966 that Bill Cosby won an Emmy for Best Actor for his TV series I Spy. Cosby was the first African-American actor to star in a regular dramatic television series. By the way, great quote from Bill Cosby. I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. And finally, it was on May 22nd in 1955 that the popular radio program of comedian Jack Benny went off the air for the last time after more than two decades. The TV version of The Jack Benny Show ran from 1950 to 1965. If you've never had a chance to catch uh, one of the Jack Benny programs on old-time radio, I would suggest that you do so sometime. The uh, the team of writers that worked on the show were first-rate. The acting was also first-rate, especially uh, uh, that of Mr. Benny himself, who is still renowned for having one of the best uh, senses of timing in the history of, uh, of comedy. Quote of the day comes from Republican presidential candidate John McCain, who said recently, the Iraq war has been won. Of course, Senator McCain was imagining the end of his prospective first term, predicting that by January 2013, there'll be a Democratic Iraq, 
the capture, dead or alive, of Osama bin Laden and a humming national economy. Why not to add some choices of our good pal Will Durst? Nickel beer night and uh, ice cream that causes you to lose weight. Maybe we should throw in the flying car. Our quip of the day also comes from presumptive Republican nominee John McCain, who, were, who joked in The Daily Show with Jon Stewart a couple weeks back uh, about whether his Secret Service detail had given him a security code name. He said, yeah, I think mine is Jerk. Actually, we got a few bonus quotes for today's program uh, that we just have to insert, I think. Uh, this one came from Mexican author Jorge Fernandez after assassins gunned down the acting chief of Mexico's federal police, Edward Milan Gomez, and two deputies in separate revenge shootings a couple weeks back. Said Mr. Fernandez, when the cartels are weakest is when they become most violent, which, which I think is up there with, I think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think we also have to take a look at Vice President Dick Cheney's response to ABC News White House correspondent Martha Redatz's uh, comment that most Americans do not believe the Iraq war was worth fighting. Said Dick Cheney, so? Of course, a few days before that, on his uh, surprise visit to Iraq, he described the war there as a, quote, successful endeavor, unquote. As we pointed out a few weeks ago, it certainly is for Halliburton. As a follow-up to Dick Cheney's so, uh, White House spokesman Dana Perino was asked after that um, whether the Bush administration cares about input from the public. He was asked that by some newsmen, to which he said, the American people have input every four years. That's the way our system is set up. And our final quote comes from Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, who commented on the recent discovery that Nelson Mandela, South Africa's Nobel Peace Prize winner, is actually included on the U.S. terrorist watch list. Said Secretary Rice, it's frankly a rather embarrassing matter. And indeed it is. Our stat of the day, according to the Emily Post Institute, this is actually an old one, but... This was taken a few years back. Apparently, 75% of Americans would want to be told if they smelled bad. Yay! And our humorous remark of the day comes from uh, this week's NPR commentary by Frank DeFord. Commenting upon the newfound popularity of lacrosse, Frank DeFord said, It's impossible not to compare lacrosse's burgeoning popularity to soccer. Clearly, Lacrosse appeals more to our tastes. As they say about soccer, why do so many American kids play it? Because they don't have to watch. He went on to say, there's much more scoring in lacrosse than in soccer. Well, I think there's much more scoring just about any sport than soccer, isn't there? It's faster, and Americans clearly prefer precision games. The stick-handling dexterity, which soccer simply can't ever match with mere footmanship. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week this week for E.T. After the director of the Vatican Observatory said, belief in extraterrestrial life does not contradict faith in God, said the Reverend Jose Gabriel Funes, just as we consider earthly creatures as a brother and sister, why should we not talk about an extraterrestrial brother? 
which just makes you wonder if the extraterrestrials are monitoring how people here on Earth are treating their fellow creatures. Uh, this may slow down the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Anyway, this week was a, a bad week for coming clean after a Tennessee man undergoing a security check at the courthouse pulled from his pants a bag of marijuana and some rolling papers. He was promptly arrested. And finally, it was kind of an ugly week this week for riding bareback after men and women roped steers, wrestled cattle, and put hot pink undies on an uncooperative goat at Philadelphia's first gay rodeo. Said Jen Verana, president of the Liberty Gay Rodeo Association, this proves that we are normal. Yes, I can't think of a better way to prove that you're normal than to put pink underwear on an uncooperative goat. And uh, we have Radar Magazine to thank for this Only in America item. I did not know this, but back in 2005, billionaire defense contractor David H. Brooks, the former CEO of DBH Industries, footed the bill for his daughter's bat mitzvah. He apparently shelled out $10 million for the event, which featured 50 Cent, Nelly, Aerosmith, Don Henley, Kenny G, and Tom Petty, all of whom we would note stooped low enough to play at this event. But here's the best part. The following year, Brooks resigned from his company in the wake of a scandal. Apparently, uh, his company shipped shoddy bulletproof vests to our soldiers in Iraq. And uh, from the, I guess it depends on how you look at it file, we have this quote from uh, the Austrian electrician, Joseph Fritzl, who's confessed to imprisoning his daughter in a cellar for 24 years and fathering seven children with her. Said Mr. Fritzl, I am not a monster. I could have killed them all. Perhaps you noticed uh, the Sacramento Bee a few, a few days back, a headline saying, Area Home Sales Bounce Back. I've been hearing this uh, from, from, from KQED, from uh, you know, other sources noting that, uh, that in the Bay Area here in Sacramento, well, things are picking up. Let's just say we're skeptical, especially in the wake of Kevin Phillips writing in Harper's uh, last month, uh, noting that uh, the government appears to be cooking the books on various economic measures. Among them, the Consumer Price Index, which tallies inflation at the retail level, the Gross Domestic Product, which tracks the economy's overall growth, and the monthly unemployment figures. Noted Mr. Phillips, all three sets of these data give a falsely cheerful picture of the economy. Apparently, Kevin Phillips is not the only one who's dubious about what the government says. Uh, Dean Calbreth, writing the San Diego Union-Tribune, Noting that when it comes to inflation, official statistics give nearly as much weight to high-ticket items such as cars and electronics, which people buy infrequently, as they give to everyday purchases like food and gasoline. And uh, writing on MSN's MoneyCentral.com, Bill Fleckelstein noted the government says that some product improvements, such as cameras in mobile phones, amount to price reductions. In other words, a $300 phone with a camera is cheaper than a $300 phone without one. And writing in Barron's, Alan Abelson noted that the inflation numbers are dubious, but it's the unemployment figures that deserve the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Apparently by fudging how people are counted as unemployed, the government uh, took the job losses, which apparently were somewhere around 287,000 uh, last month, that payroll shrank by only 20,000 jobs. 
Using a similar adjustments, the government economists surmised that the financial services industry added 8,000 jobs in April, while construction added 45,000 jobs. Noted Mr. Abelson, these are quite some feats considering that banks and brokerage houses are laying people off and construction does not appear to be exactly booming. Anyway, uh, this Sunday they're going to do a, a special on HBO titled Recount, the supposed story of the 2000 presidential election. I'm very curious to see how close they are to getting that one right. Earlier this month, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia during an appearance on 60 Minutes, uh, commented on those who believe wrongly, he says, that the 2000 Bush versus Gore recount decision was politically motivated. Get over it, said Scalia. It's so old by now. I like uh, James Baker's quote in Newsweek about this upcoming special. I think they were a bit inaccurate in the way they portrayed me and Warren Christopher. I don't think I was as Machiavellian as the movie made me out to be, nor was Christopher as wimpish either. Chris, I read some comments uh, by Bev Harris of a black box voting regarding William Daly's role in all of that. He was the Gore campaign chairman. Bev Harris thinks he took a dive. We've been meaning to get Bev Harris in this program for some time. We're going to have to bring her on and talk about that specifically. Anyway, as a reminder uh, from last week's program, uh, this Sunday the 25th, Planet Fest is going to take place down in Pasadena. You might want to consider going down there and seeing what happens when NASA tries to put another one down on the red planet. But uh, anyway, speaking about taking a dive politically, I don't know when anyone uh, followed our advice and went to go hear Gavin Newsom speak last Saturday here at UCD. But he was quoted widely in the press in the wake of the California Supreme Court's decision to overturn the state's ban on gay marriage as saying, as California goes, so goes the nation, whether you like it or not. I'm sorry, but we're not backing off one bit on our contention that the effort to push gay marriage forward during an election year, I just wonder who's behind this. Great cartoon in the B in the wake of this by J.D. Crow of the Mobile Alabama Press Register showed a gay couple, very ecstatic, and was titled, Who's More Excited About Same-Sex Marriage, Gay Couples or Republicans? Showed the elated couple holding hands saying, we have a campaign issue. Yes, as the war drones on at the, coast of, at the cost of $3 billion a week, with absolutely no end in sight, an economy that's going down the toilet, related to the war, no doubt, and with an incumbent president whose popularity is at the lowest level that's ever been recorded since polling began, the GOP needs another issue. And this is a dream issue for them this election year. You notice the Gallup poll that was in the B? Fewer than half of Americans think that same-sex marriages should be legal. In fact, it's 56% say not legal to 40% legal. Almost half of Americans favor an amendment barring these unions. 49% in favor, 48% against. I'd like to note rather emphatically that we are in the against. We do not want to see a, an amendment to the Constitution banning gay marriage. But a majority of Americans would, and this ain't going to play well in the red states and the border states. And I want to talk about uh, Barack Obama's plan to uh, you know, win Ohio and Florida as the key to the White House. We're going to defer that to next week's program. Just want to close this segment by noting that uh, Ariana Huffington appeared on Michael Krasny's forum program on KQED earlier this week. 
and noted that the John McCain uh, that people voted for, in fact, I voted for back in 2000 when he ran against George W. here in California, uh, is a man that no longer exists. Ariana Huffington was recently uh, quoted, noting that uh, she overheard McCain reveal at an L.A. dinner party seven years ago that he couldn't bring himself to vote for Bush in 2000. John McCain now, of course, denies that, saying, I voted for, campaigned for, worked as hard as I could for President Bush's election in 2000 and 2004. Huffington stands by her account, and two others who attended the party, West Wing actors Bradley Whitford and Richard Schiff, insist they also heard McCain say he hadn't voted for Bush. I think we need to take a break at this point. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll come back in a moment to talk with Simon LeVay about when science goes wrong. Because I love you too much, baby. Why can't you see what you're doing? 